The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Put your hands together and let's honor the set man of this house. That wasn't nice, so I'm going to do it again. Put your hands together and let's honor the set man of this house. And to his lovely first lady. Thank you very much. Y'all can go sit down now. Appreciate that. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's a blessing and a privilege to be here. I thank God so much for uh, you uh, allowing me to come here and to minister in this conference. And I believe without a shout of, of a doubt that God is going to do something in this afternoon service that is going to set you up for 2018. 2018 is fastly approaching us and it is going to be a year where God is going to carry you to a level that you've never been before. All right, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who have great, great thank you like that. Like, 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 like that. And it's going to be one of those extraordinary years, extraordinary outpourings that comes from the Lord. So my first prayer today, and I'm going to pray three prayers, but my first prayer today is um, that uh, God will eliminate the process, eliminate the process, which means that uh, to get from here to the end of the street requires a process to get me from this location to that location. I'm asking God to eliminate the process so that when I open up my eyes, I'm there. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because there are many obstacles that are in front of the dreams and the visions that you have. And God gave you the vision, but it's hard for you to lay hold to it because of all of the difficult things, the obstacles that are in front of you. So I want you to know that this is the season that God is going to eliminate that so you can be postured and positioned in the place and in the area. That he has for you. I want to tell you a story real, real quickly, and and then I'm going to go to the to the to the text. Should I do the text first, or should I do the story? So should I do the text first, or should I do the story? How many say do the story? How many say do the text? All right. Deuteronomy chapter number thirty-two. Uh, Deuteronomy thirty-two. And verse number 11. Now, I have to tell you a quick story. My name is George Gary John Derrick Bloom. I was born Brooklyn, New York, 453 Columbia Street, apartment A, B, and C. My mom and my dad had nine children together. My dad went out of the wedding barn and had 15 other children by six women in the projects that I grew up in. You know, my dad's theme song was Papa was a rolling stone. That guy was a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Bad guy. 
And there's a few of you in here that look just like me. Do you know who my daddy is? Yeah, it takes you a little while. Yeah, it's lying. I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. I couldn't read, read, write, or spell at all. All of my adult life, I wasn't able to read, write, or spell. I still have a little bit of challenges with that. Now, I learned how to read about 20 some, some odd years ago. So for about 30 some odd years, I couldn't read, write, or spell. I had a $200, $300 a day cocaine habit, um, strung out on cocaine and heroin. It eventually went into crack, and the smoking of crack. I would find myself uh, arrested in prison in a 10 by 8 cell, and that was where God was going to get his yes out of me because prison was my processing chamber. And some of you that are going through difficult times and other people are just thinking that it's just not going to happen for you, that's not necessarily the truth. The God that I serve has an appointed time to bring you out of every situation that you might find yourself into. So I thought it was necessary for me to give you my testimony so while I'm preaching, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Turn your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 32 and verse number 11. And it reads like this. As an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings and taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Verse number 12 says, so the Lord alone did lead her, him, and there was no strange gods with her. He maketh him to ride upon the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the field. He made him to suck honey out of the rock. And all out of the finny rock. Bless your word today. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Turn to two or three people and say, be eagle minded, be eagle minded. So now I can tell you my story, right? I'm flying on the plane and uh, uh, some time ago. And of late, I've been preaching a series of messages that I called wine cellar, wine cellar messages. Uh, for those of you who know anything about wine, you know that wine, uh, uh, the longer it's kept, the better it is. And uh, so uh, wine cellar messages are, are messages that God gave me some 20 years ago that I preached that I find is relevant today. So I just go down into the wine cellar every now and then like today and I pull out one of those bottles of wine and I pop the cork and I offer you a little taste of something that was bottled 20 years ago. This story is a 20 year old story for me that I share with you today. Got your wine glass out? Come on, cheers. Yeah, very good, very good. Get ready. I'm flying on the back of a plane and I look and in the plane and I look and in behind is this little magazine and the magazine is celebrating Black History Month. We celebrated uh, 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 well in America. And they're celebrating George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver uh, uh, gives a little story out of his memoirs and he talks simply like this, that in the days of horses and bug buggies in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, he found himself sitting in a makeshift cathedral, a, a, a cathedral that was fashioned and made out of a barn where the slave masters and owners had allowed them to use for their convention. 
he was there listening to the messages that was going on for about eight or nine days. And he says in his memoirs, he found himself sitting there staring into the ceiling because the preachers were strutting their stuff, preaching messages that was far above the heads of the people. He said it was in that setting while he was staring into the ceiling, he asked God a question. And the question that he asked God was simply this, Lord, show me the universe to which the Lord immediately spoke to him and said, that's too big for you to understand. He says over the next 90 days, he would find himself asking God the same question in the form of a chorus. Show me, show me, show me. And God would respond to him the same way. Too big for you to understand. Too big for you to understand. God showed me anthropology, too big for you to understand. Archaeology, too big for you to understand. Biology, too big for you to understand. Too big, too big, too big for you to understand. He said he became so frustrated because every time he would ask God to show him something, God would say, that's too big for you to understand. He began to feel silly, stupid, inept, almost like he was an idiot. When God says you can't understand something, you can't understand it. He said one day... In his frustration, he came out and he saw some kids playing and they were eating peanuts and he retrieved the peanut from one of the kids and ran out in front of the porch and waved the peanut up in the air, swinging it back and forth, almost to the point of cursing God. He screamed, God, show me the peanut to which the Lord immediately spoke to him and says, now you've given me something that you can understand and showed him 300 ways to use a peanut. Put your hand on your head. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, give me something. I don't like how you're talking. You got to talk to me with authority. Say, but Lord, give me something that I can understand. In 1986, Coca-Cola was the largest soda pop company on the planet. Coca-Cola controlled 83% of the market share of soda pop. Coca-Cola had its Coca-Cola can displayed in 120 uh, languages around the world. Coca-Cola was awesome. It was bad. 1986, Coca-Cola decided that it was going to move its formula off the shelf and replace it with a new improved formula. They came up with a brand new golden can that was getting rid of the red can. Coca-Cola was going out all. It, it, it had hired an advertisement firm and paid them a half a billion dollars to advertise it and a half a billion dollars on the brand new formula. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. 71 days later, the taste buds of the United States of America, along with 120 nations around the world, had rejected Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola had to go back and get the old formula, bring it back, bring back the red cans and put a seal on the side of the red can and call it a classic. Coca-Cola spent a billion dollars to find out if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You can't perfect perfection. Touch somebody, say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In 1986, there was another soda pop company, true story, on the verge of uh, uh, extinction, just about going out of business. The owner of the company passed away, leaving the controlling shares to his son, which was a Southern Baptist preacher in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The son, who now inherited his daddy's failing soda pop company, goes into his prayer closet, man of God, and he prays this prayer. Lord, give me something that I can understand. To which the Lord immediately spoke to him and gave him a slogan and the slogan was choice of a new generation. The name of the company was Pepsi. God spoke to Mr. Pepsi and told Mr. Pepsi, if you're going to be successful, do not go after Coca-Cola's crowd. Remember, Coca-Cola, uh, glory be to God, controls 83 percent of the market share. 83 people out of every 100 people who like soda pop is drinking Coca-Cola. They're deadlocked. If you're going to be successful, you have to go after a generation 
who have never tasted Coca-Cola. This is the reason why this place is going to explode over the next three years. Oh, yeah, baby. Touch somebody and say, get ready, get ready for it. Get ready for it. Get ready for what God is about to do. You see, when God is setting things up, he doesn't give you enough time to think. For if God gave you time to think, I wouldn't be standing here. He shows up. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. And, 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 and he moves on your sensitivity and your faith and your trust with him. So just because it ain't happening right now don't mean it's not going to happen. Touch somebody say, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, I wish I had an afternoon church. It's going to happen. Say it again. It's going to happen. And so he, he, he follows the rule of what God says, a choice of a new generation. He's going after a group of individuals who had never tasted uh, Pepsi Cola. They come up with brand new cans. The cans uh, show uh, uh, bungee jumpers and skateboarders and surfers, etc. He mixes uh, uh, polka dots with stripes. He goes out of the norm. Then he goes and he hires Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson comes when his hair catches on fire. All this is going on during the same time. And it's a hit. They go up in the market shares. He comes out with a brand new IPO and Pepsi is back on top. So Mr. Pepsi says that there's a new generation in America. There's got to be a new generation in China. There's got to be one in Russia. There's got to be one in Mexico. And so they got on the corporate jets and they went down to Russia and they stood before the Russians and they said, we would like to sell Pepsi in Russia. And the Russian says, no, only Coca-Cola, only Coca-Cola. They went to the Chinese, only Coca-Cola. They went to the Mexican, ha, papi, Coca-Cola, all the Coca-Cola, papi, only Coca-Cola. He comes back and he goes into his prayer closet and he says, Lord, give me something that I can understand. He comes up out of his prayer closet and he gets on the corporate jets. They fly to New York City and they hire an uh, advertisement agency in Madison Avenue. And then they fly back to Russia one year later. They're sitting in front of Russian Congress and they say to the Russians, uh, we would like to build a, a, an American restaurant here in, 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 in Russia. And the Russian says, oh, we like American restaurants. We already have the Golden Arches. We have the King. We already have McDonald's. We already have Burger Kings. What kind of restaurant are you going to build for us? They said, we were going to build a chicken restaurant for you with one stipulation. If we build this American restaurant here, the number one soda pop of the restaurant has got to be Pepsi. And the Russians agreed to it. Mr. Pepsi went and bought Kentucky Fried Chicken, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Mr. Pepsi is not in the business of selling taco, pizza, or chicken. He's in the business of selling soda pop. But Mr. Pepsi understood that sometimes you got to do this before you can do that. I wish I Who am I talking to? Sometimes you got to do this before you can do that. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm just doing this. But in a few days, I'm going to do my fat. Who am I talking to? If you are a business person in this room, you need to stand and turn and tell your neighbor, I'm just doing this before I'm about to do my that. As an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them upon her wings, so the Lord alone to lead her and there was no strange gods with her he makes her to ride upon the high places of the earth and get oil honey out of the rock and all out of the finny rock the text here this morning is designed to help us to fly 
like eagles. And to teach those of you who are here today who are not eagles to at least act like an eagle until you get your eagle's wings. I recognize that some of us in this room are pigeons. Some of us in this room are turkeys. Some of us in this room are ostriches. Others are peacocks. And, 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 and there, there's some buzzards here too. Individuals who, for one reason or the other, belong to the bird family, but you're not an eagle yet. And I want to transform your life by transforming your mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if I can get you to think properly for a few moments, I can get you to fly over what you couldn't walk through. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of this. Oh, I wish I had a church in here this morning. I'm coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only you know what your this is. Uh, being raised in Brooklyn, New York, I would come outside and pigeons would be everywhere. Pigeons, pigeons, pigeons everywhere. Some people would feed the pigeons. If you feed the pigeons, the pigeons would come. Pigeons was a common bird who cared nothing. Pigeons pay no rent. Pigeons squat. Pigeons live in the attic. Pigeons eat anything that's around anywhere. Pigeons is just trying to make it. But the thing about the pigeons in New York City that blew my mind, one day I had to get on the train and I was going to go from Red Hook to East New York. And so there I got on Smith and 9th Street, got down to Atlantic Avenue and made my transfer. And while I'm standing on the platform leaning up against the wall, a pigeon flies down into the subway. He gets into the subway and he tucks his wings in. And then the pigeon walks on over to the platform and looks this way as if he's looking for the train to come. And he looks again. And he looks again. Finally, the train is in the station and you can see the light piercing his way through the dark tunnel. And when the train is approaching the area, you can hear the vibration of the train as the platform begins to shake. <laughs> and when the pigeon felt it, he looked one time and he backed up as the train came into the station. The doors opened up and that little pigeon walked on the train and the doors closed because pigeons are so common in New York City. Very few people thought it not strange that the pigeon would be riding on the train. The pigeon rode four stops to Sterling Place and when the doors opened up, the pigeon walked out, opened up his wings and flew up the steps, Pastor. That pigeon blew my mind. The pigeon had wings. He could fly from Brooklyn to East New York. But the pigeon decided, I'm taking the train. There are many people in here under the sound of my voice that have God-given abilities and talents. 
that you refuse to use. And you're going to give an account for wasting the gift that God has given you. Waiting on a train to carry you someplace that God has given you the ability to carry yourself to. Just touch someone and say, I hope he's not talking about you. I don't want to spend too much time on these different birds because there's a place that I want to go. Sometimes you got to do this before you can do that. And I want to talk to you about being eagle minded. But an ostrich, when she's afraid, will stick her head in the dirt, thinking that if she can hide her head, she's hidden. And it is told unto us that folks who are going after ostriches and ostrich eggs waits for them to stick their head in the dirt because they think that when their head is hidden, their entire body is hidden. How many times have you read the scriptures that if you cover up your head, your feet's going to show? If you cover your feet, your head's going to show. And you have to ask the question, where can you hide? From the presence of the almighty God. Touch somebody gently and say nowhere, nowhere. I was in a pastor's study and in the pastor's study there was this plaque on the wall. And the plaque simply says this. You'll never soar like eagles hanging out with turkeys. Turkeys. Now, as I look across the room, some of you. Have looks on your face where you're trying to figure out which one of these birds are you. You know what the characteristics is about. There's one of the largest zoos in the nation is the Bronx Zoo. As a little kid, I went to the Bronx Zoo and there was this bird that was coming from the back with his long, long tail. And as our tram moved up to him, he turned around and he looked. And when he saw us looking at him, he moved his head one time and a bouquet of feathers came on the top of his head. And he began to shake violently for a few moments. And behind him, this beautiful bouquet, his tail described all of these different colors. And when we were all there to watch. He stopped. And then turned. <laughs> the minute the tram started moving, he shook one time. The feathers on the top of his head went down. The tail was tucked in. And he was waiting for the next group to come so he can strut his stuff in front of. It was an ostrich. Imagine having a ministry assignment and your job is to conform or to transform pigeons, turkeys, ostriches, and make them eagles. Eagles. What's the name of this church? Kingsway. And what's the name of this conference? I want to talk to you for a few moments about the supernatural. 
In order for us to understand the gist of the eagle of the text, we have to leave the Bible for a little while and go to National Geographics, which is believed to be the Bible on wildlife. National Geographics tells us the story of the eagle. It says that the eagle comes from about 300 species of eagle, their pedigrees, about 300 different types of, of eagles. You rarely see an eagle flying because eagles dwell amongst their own people. They don't hang out with other individuals. Eagles. The focus from National Geographic focuses on the female eagle, the eaglet, and not the eagle, the man. For the eaglet is the one who is commissioned to keep the skies filled with eagles. And she knows that she has to uh, contribute and meet her quota. The many eagles that she is supposed to leave within the land. And so National Geographic has us watching the eagle fly over areas to test where she's going to build her nest, her condo, her mansion. Because she's ready to have young. And so she starts flying and when she locates the place that is high enough so that human hands can't touch it. She purchases the place that she's going to build her condo and then she starts building it from the ground up. She is seen making several trips over the forest and going past cedar trees and going past palm trees and going right to oak wood. With a thrust, she snatches branches off the oak tree and flies it over the river and dumps it into the water, brings it up. And with her talent and her beak, begins to bend it together because she's going to build a nest that is about three feet deep and two feet wide. She's a big bird. She makes several flights and she works with oak wood. The thing that blows my mind is that when you begin to understand uh, the usage of oak wood and they use it to make pews and to make tables and chairs and what they always work with it when it's wet. How did the eagle know that if she's going to build her nest that she because she's connected with nature and when you're connected with nature, nature organically sends you intelligence that you didn't read anywhere. This entire room is filled with individuals that God tells you stuff. You don't know how you know, but you know what you know, but you don't know how you know it. You just know it. Touch someone and say, I just know it. And she builds the nest after the nest is built. She's seen flying over a thorn thicket and she's gathering thorns together. And with her talent and her beats, she wires the entire nest with thorns on the walls of it and on the floor of it. So that everywhere inside the nest, there are thorns sticking up. Then she makes several trips gathering leaves and placing leaves inside the nest and presses the leaves down so that it's so much leaves that the thorns never stick up through it. And then she sits back and begins to think about how she's going to live. Because she's an eagle and she's in charge of all of her mating, she releases a scent in the area. The scent in the area sends a signal to all of the male eagles that a female eagle is in town and she's ready to party. And so they begin to come around. Remember, she's got her own education. She's got her own nest. She's got her own stuff. She's not waiting for a man to come and make her great. She's great by herself. I, I, I hope I can preach like this here. Yeah, yeah. And, and so she sits up in the window of her brand new condo. 
and the eagles in town, the male eagle starts whispering, you know, that little fine thing over there done built that nest, and I'm going to get her. Nah, you ain't going to get her. I'm going to get her. So they start flying around the nest, picking up on the scent. They fly around the nest. One scoots by the nest. And she just sits there looking at him and says, go on with your crazy self. Another one comes. He sees her there. He's trying to figure out how he is. So here he goes. He come in here. His pants are sagged. You know what I'm saying? He's sagging and stuff like that. He walk on by her. Yo, sup? Hey there. Yo, girl. Keep on moving. The other eagle. The other eagle from down the street, he done bought him a brand new ride. Diamond in the back, sunroof top, digging in the scene with the gangster lean. Woo -woo. And so he turns his music up in the car and he rides by how. That's hey, hey, turn that music down. Get out of here. He turns it down. Well, there's an eagle that over there. That while all the other eagles are coming by, he's watching. Another one flies by. Looks at her and says to her, what church you go to? She said, I go to Kingsway Church. He said, She said, you got a job? He said, get out of here. But there's this eagle that just scoots by and he disappears. The next morning, he disappears. And Miss Eagle's up, sitting up in the window, first lady, seeing this bad eagle. I mean, that thing looked good. He looking good. He ain't paying her no attention. He said, She said, What in the world? Why is he not paying attention to me? She goes in there and puts on more makeup. Make sure that extension is on right. And sits in the window again. <laughs> Something wrong with him. <laughs> she sees him. She make eye contact with him and he make eye contact with her. He do like this. She said, hmm. 
Lord have mercy. While she's flying by, he's flying by. National Geographic shows us that she takes a little twig, and when he's flying by past her, she drops it. And when he sees her, drops it, he scoops down, catches it before it hits the ground. <laughs> Flies back up and says, ma'am, I think this is yours. She said, oh, thank you. Amen. <laughs> the next day, he's scooting on by and she drops something, another thing, but it's a little bit heavier. And he scoops down, snatches it, brings it back up and says, hey, is that yours too? She said, yes, I don't know, but things keeps on falling when you're around. You turn my whole world around. Ow! National Geographic says she keeps on picking up things, picking up things, picking up things, until she finds a log that's about the same as her own personal weight. And when he flies by that day, she drops it and he scoops down, snatches it. This woman is crazy. Brings it back up and says, You got anything else? Geographic says she backs up to the end of the edge of the nest. And just falls out herself with her talents way up in the air. And just fall and fall. And he said, this woman's crazy. He scoops down. And with her talents up like this, he's coming down with his talents like that. He claps the talents, flips her over, holds them in his arm, brings her up, puts her in the nest and say, don't do that again, baby. You scared me. That's the mating process. You see, you don't want anybody in your life. That is not strong enough to carry you. Look at the people in here. They got people who's not strong enough to carry you. And the problem that you'll have. They mate together. The job of the male eagle. Eagle is just to make sure. That the eggs come. It's the female that stays with it. So now she knows that it's just going to be a few days with him. They mate. He goes on about his business. She never sees him again. And she lays three or four eggs. She makes another enough trips. She pulls out of her breast the fine down and lay it down in the nest and rolls her eggs over it. And with her wings and her belly, she sits on it and incubates them because she hears the fine scratching. And they pluck through it. And the little eaglets are born. She knows within the next first hour to an hour and a half, she has to teach the eaglets how to fly. And so she stretches her wings and takes them, places them on her wings and catches the current of the wind. And wherever the wind takes her, that's where she goes. And when she gets high enough, she looks down to make sure there's not a clear footing. She tilts her wings and causing all of the eagles to fall. And as they fall in, they flap their wings and find out that they can fly. But there's always one that keeps on falling. So she scoops down, catches him, bears him on.
on eagle's wings and brings him back up. And while his brothers and sisters are out flying around enjoying their new ability that they learned how to fly, she says to the one that kept on falling, she says, listen, Tom, I'm going to let you rest today. Tomorrow I'm going to take you out and I'm going to take you to a high altitude. I'm going to tilt my wings and I'm going to let you drop. And if you do not fly, you're going to die because I can't have any retardation in my family. At this next level, you got to make sure that if folks are going where you're going, they at least got to be able to fly. She takes them out, tilts the wings, and they fly. Good. The next lesson is she's got to teach them how to swallow. They can fly, but they can't hunt. So she goes and she eats and she brings some back in her talents. Pounds it together with a beak and a talent, making a pablum-like substance, and tells all of her little eaglets, open up your mouth. And she puts it in their mouth and pushes it so far down that all they have to do is swallow. The success of a great man or woman of God is when they know how to bring or present the word of God to you so plain that all you have to do is swallow. Do it. Come on. Just swallow that you trust your leader to the point that whatever he says is coming from God so you don't have to chew it. All you have to do is swallow. After teaching them how to swallow, she's going to teach them how to hunt. And that's your geographic says the best person to teach for them to learn how to hunt is to learn from the lion. So most times when you see stories about lions, you see two sects of birds. You see eagles and you see buzzes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the eagle says, watch Mr. Lion. Mr. Lion is over here. When a lion roars, a lion is roaring because the lion is setting order. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that the lion is roaring. If the lion is quiet, that means he is in attack mode. Let's do this again. If he's roaring, that means he's setting order. But if he's quiet, he's in attack mode. That means that he's hanging out somewhere because someone has crossed the line and is in territory that they have no business being in. And since I done roared several times and you don't listen to the roar, that you've gotten so accustomed to my voice that you're going to do it your way. So now I got to take you out. And so a deer comes bouncing into the territory, to the area where the lion is. And the lion says, listen, I do not want you to come this close. But the deer does not listen. So he comes close. And so the lion says, I got to take him out. The lion doesn't roar today. The lion is quiet. And if he's quiet, he's camouflaged. He's hiding behind the tall grass that is the same color as his skin. He's getting ready to take this deer out. The lion knows that the deer can outrun him at any time. The lion knows he can run fast, but he can't run long. But the deer can run forever. So he's got to make sure that he gets close enough to him so that when he pounces on him, he can get him. And the deer is over there drinking water. And the lion has already camouflaged himself. He's bowed his head and nature is on the side of the king. The lion now is waiting. The lion says, if I move right now, the deer is going to take off and I'm never going to catch him. And when the lion thinks like that, the wind blows. And the lion says to himself, I'm going to move with the syncopation of the wind. The wind is representation of the Holy Spirit. You never get in trouble when you're moving with the wind. You only get in trouble when you go against the wind. But if the wind is blowing, move with the wind. And the wind blows and the lion moves. And the wind stops and the lion stops. And the wind blows. And and every time the wind is blowing, the deer has no idea that his trouble is coming close. Because the storm is being carried in the wind. It's in the wind. 
And the lion sometimes makes the mistake of judging the wind. And so he moves without the wind and the deer hears it and the deer takes off. And the lion starts pouncing after him. And the deer is going. And the lion is coming. And the deer is going. And the lion. Because the deer can tick, 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 all day long. He's a long distance run. And, and the lion. And the lion. And as the lion is coming, the lion's heart starts beating. I can't take much more of this. And so the lion runs right past the deer. And when he runs past the deer, the deer says to himself, oh, he wasn't coming after me at all. And then the lion turns around. And the deer now runs right into him. He snatches him, drags him up against a rock, thrusts him up against the rock, and devours him. And the eagle says, this is how you catch your prey. She teaches the lesson. She's realizing that every time they get together inside the nest, the nest is getting tighter and tighter, so it's now it's time for them to go. And so she waits for them to be out playing and doing what they do, hunting. And she goes in and begins to stir the nest. She stirs the nest by kicking up the down and then kicking up the leaves and leaving nothing in the nest but the thorns, the sticks. They know how to hunt. They know how to swallow. They know how to fly. But they do not know how to remove the sticky sticks from the nest. She flies off and the eagles go into the nest. They sit down, but they got to get up because there's no place for them to rest because the nest has been stirred. As an eagle stirred the nest and fluttereth over her young and spreadeth abroad her wings. Uh, it's now time for them to eat, uh, to, to live off of honey and, and, and suck oil out of the finny rock. Uh, the finny rock was a rock that was affectionately known for when the mothers, uh, when the women would come together and gather the, 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 the olives and they would grab them and wrap them with cloths and press them against the rock in order to get the oil out of it. There would still be oil on the rocks, uh, which was the residue that was coming out of the olives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A season was going to come that the pressing was going to take place and out of your pressing, no matter how hard it was and no matter how many scars you had, you would reach down and realize that there's still oil in my pain. And as long as there's oil in your pain, there's deliverance for your journey. Uh, about three more minutes and I'm going to get out of your way. Uh, the eagle, they fly off. Mother eagle finds herself somewhere down yonder and she gets old. She's not making as many flights as she used to make. A callus grows on the top of her beak. She's got calluses growing up under her talons. And her wings are very, very heavy because feathers that she has not groomed or plucked is still on it. She can't fly as well. But one afternoon, she decides that she's not going to stay in this predicament. So she walks over to a rock and begins to beat her beak against the rock. And she beats it until the beak, that callus that is on the beak, falls off. And she scrapes her talons against the rocks to remove the calluses. Then she takes flight and she goes over the ocean, gouges herself in the ocean, comes back up, shakes herself, and the dead weight and the dead leaf, well, uh, feathers fall off of her. And her spirit is renewed. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. George Bloomer, what is the purpose of 
this meeting. A few years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he told me that I'm giving you an unusual anointing. And a part of your anointing would be that you will identify what is next. That you identify what is next. Uh, this morning is the beginning of the harvest that is going to take place here of all the seed that you have in the ground. The thing that you have to understand is that God has not left you out or left you alone. Glory be to God. He just wanted to put you in a predicament where when he does what he does, no one would be able to say that they helped you to get to where you are. I feel like preaching right now because there are those of you that are in here under the sound of my voice that people would like to say that you are where you are because they had something to do with it. And in this season, when God elevates you, man of God, and he takes you to your next level and he brings back the glory days that you thought was the glory days, which really, really wasn't the glory days because your glory days is about to start. He's got you filled with a camp of individuals who will understand the principle of getting in line with leadership. You are about to take off. Just touch two people and say you're about to take off. You Imagine what's about to happen when you start taking off in every single area of your life. Where every place the soles of your feet tread automatically is blessed. Where, 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 where all of creation is saying, come over here. And if you step over here, you're going to prosper. And if you move over there, you're going to prosper. Because you're no longer operating out of the natural. You're operating out of the supernatural. George Bloomer preaching this place today. Every now and then I got to encourage myself. Preach, George Bloomer. Preach, preach, preach. I come to tell you I'm feeling to preach this thing. I want you to understand, glory be to God, that your greatest days are in front of you and not behind you. Every demon and devil that's been fighting you down through the years. Uh, Mr. Soundman, just give me a little bit more. Be a little bit more generous with me in this uh, they, they right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's been a season in the life of this ministry where walking was a task and running was almost impossible. It seems like you were uh, 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 exiled to a cross where the movement was not as fast as it's supposed to be. But I come to tell you that you're getting into a season of warp speed. Yeah, you about to get back everything the devil stole from you. Somebody shout out and say, I want it back. I want it back. I want all of my stuff back. I want my wealth, my health, my joy, my peace, my marriage, my family, everything the devil stole from you. You about to get it back. Have your seat for about one more second and I'm going, we're going to go together. I feel it and you feel it. Just touch somebody and say, I feel that thing. I feel that thing. I feel that thing. I feel like telling a few people right over there in that section right there that your broke days are over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that you can say goodbye to being broke because whatever you need when you reach, God is going to provide it for you. Uh, I feel like telling the group right here that favor cash is about to hit you. I feel like telling the few people in the back that you're about to reach millionaire status. It is supernatural. Have your seats. The people behind you can't see. Listen to me carefully. This is the season that God is shifting and is changing things on your behalf. He wants to do stuff so that you understand, uh, glory be to God, that the tasks and the trials and the tribulations that you've gone through were all strategically set up by God to build your faith and perfect your character. Uh -huh. He doesn't want you trusting in man. He wants you to trust in him, which means that God has set up scenarios that it looks like it was 
the devil, but it was never the devil. The devil was never even involved in it. He said to Moses, Moses, get up and go down to Egypt land and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses got up and was making his journey down to Egypt land to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. God went down there to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, when Moses gets here talking about let my people go, you tell him no. The Bible said that God hardens Pharaoh's heart, which means that there was no devil. It was God working on Moses and God working on Pharaoh. And he said, when you get here, you tell him no. It wasn't that Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. He couldn't let them go because God hardened his heart. God was planning on building the faith of Moses and perfecting his character to teach him, glory be to God, that everything you need comes from God. Now, I got the audacity to come from New York City, from North Carolina, from the United States of America to tell anybody in Nigeria how to trust God when banks refuse to lend you money. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. And folks refuse to help you out when you go through. And just about what you got comes from God and God alone. How dare you, George Bloomer? Step up in here and try to teach me faith. I come to teach you another level of faith. The faith that you have got you where you are. But I'm telling you something that there's a supernatural level that you're about to reach that is going to blow your mind. Imagine when you think anything you think about God begins to manifest it in your life because he's working this thing out on your behalf and he wants you to be able to give a testimony and a testimony is not thanking the Lord for your life, health and strength, food on the table or clothes on your back. A testimony is an undeniable experience that you had with God in the past to sustain you for any present or futuristical difficulties. A testimony is data and proof that the God that brought you out before will turn around and do it again. Is there anybody in here right now that's got a testimony? Shake your neighbor and say, I got a testimony. I got a testimony. Your testimony is so vital and so important that God allow you to go through three years of marital problems, five years of financial situations, ten years of health crisis, and then deliver you in the three, the five, or the ten. And then you meet up with a person who's going through what you just came out of, and you'll share your testimony, and they'll get set free in three minutes from what it took you three years to go through. Shake your neighbor say my testimony ain't about me My testimony is about you And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Ah, look at somebody say you're coming out and you're coming. I feel like preaching again and you're coming out and you're coming out on top. I said say to your neighbor you're coming out. You're coming out. God is going to bring you out and he's going to bring you out on top with victory. I told you in the beginning of the message that sometimes you got to do this before you can do that. Yeah. I got a testimony to tell you that I'm standing here by the grace of the almighty God. Had it not been for the Lord who is on my side and in my life, I would have not made it thus far. But grace, the grace of God has secured me through many storms and through many trials. When it looked like I wasn't going to make it, when it looks like the devil was going to take me out, when it looks like y'all ain't hear what I'm saying, that drugs was going to devour me. God stepped in and said, boy, that's just for testimony's sake. I'm blessing you so you can stay in the face of the devil and tell the devil to take your best shot. I might go down, but I'm coming up again. Is there anybody in the room that understands that God will bring you back? 
that God will bring you back. If y'all sit down, I'll finish preaching, I promise you. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going there, we're going there. This is your season and this is your hour. I can't explain everything that I've been going through. I can't explain everything that's happened to me. But one thing I know how to do, I know how to praise God. I'll praise him in the morning. I'll praise him in the noonday. I'll praise him in the midnight hour. And when I'm upset, I praise him. And when I'm angry, I praise him. And when I'm hungry, I praise him. And when I'm broke, I praise him. Where are the praises? God loves to hear. Can I preach a little while? He loves to hear his name. If you call on the name of the Lord, he will show up. Pull on your neighbor, say he going to show up. And when God shows up, he shows up good, bad. Yeah, he's going to give you victory in the midst of your storm. We in the afternoon service. And I'm about to go to my seat. And I see you tonight with part number two. But touch your neighbor, say, but Bishop, before you go, teach me how to fly. I said, come on, say it. I said, Bishop, before you go, teach me how to fly. I said, look at somebody else. Say, Bishop, before you go, teach me how to fly. Is there anybody in the building that want to learn how to fly? Look at somebody else and say, I'm going to find out how to fly. I'm about to get my wings. If I had the wings of the morning, I fly to the utmost parts of the earth. Someday in glory, you're going to find me singing. Why am I preaching like this? And shouting through all eternity. I told you to stand and then sit down. Uh-huh. Sit, 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 sit. All right, I promise you, we're going there for the last time. Yeah. Uh-huh. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Is there anybody in the room that is operating out of renewed strength? Mm-hmm. I'm asking you a question. Anybody who operating out of renewed strength? Yeah. Uh-huh. He said, listen, I want you to understand that your hardships was to build your faith, mm-hmm. was to bring you through difficult times. Accusations and criticisms are the final stage before spiritual promotion. You can always tell how blessed you're going to be tomorrow by how much hell you're going through right now. If you're going through hell right now, tomorrow is going to be alright. Is there anybody in the building that's going through hell right now? Well, I come to tell you that your tomorrow is going to be great. Yeah. All right, Mike, let me close this thing out for you. Uh huh. It is said when geese are migrating. Can I preach for a little while? When geese are migrating, they migrate in a V formation. When you look at the, 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 the V, it represents victory, victorious. They fly in V formation. They don't fly in V formation because it's, it, 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 it's, it's organic or it's natural to them. They fly in V formation. Uh, the National Geographic tells us that there's a goose in the front and the goose that's in the front is the wind cutter. And you got 11 on one side and 9 on the other side. And at the end of both of them, you have these long geese who are called watches. So in the front, you have the wind cutter. The job of the wind cutter geese is to start flying and cut the wind. His job is to face headwinds. Headwinds are designed to block you and to stop you or to delay you to make sure you never get to your 
desired location. But the wind cutter's job is to cut through the wind. The wind cutter is the pastor of the church. His job is to face the headwinds. And when the winds start blowing, he cuts the wind. But he cuts the wind and it goes to the left and to the right. And when it goes to the left, those that are on the left move in a formation. And the wind goes over their wings and up under their bellies, creating what National Geographic refers to as a drag. And as he's dragging the rest of the of the geese, the geese are lifted up just a little bit higher than him so they can see the contribution that he's making. The wind cutter does not have to carry anybody with him. He's anointed and strong enough to do this by himself. But he understands the commitment that he has to make to the body of Christ so the wind cutter is cutting the wind. On the end of it, you have two, glory be to God, uh, watches. Their job is to watch the other eagles because as they're flying, they get what you call wind fatigue and some of them falls out of formation and when they fall out of formation, it is the job of the watches to scoop down up under their wings and tell them to get back up in formation. I stopped by the house to tell you that the wind has been cut and it's been distributed on your behalf but some have fallen out of formation and it's now time for the watches to tell all the folks in the church who has fallen out of formation get back into get back into formation yeah this is the last time you gonna see me like this it's the last time this church is gonna be like this this is the day of your celebration look at your neighbor and say oh neighbor we're going to another level and it starts right now who in here know what I'm talking about yeah pull on your neighbor and say stay in formation get behind the man of God wherever he goes you go don't listen to negativity don't listen to no negative words don't listen to no one that does not have the vision this is the hour and the season for eagles to fly at a brand new altitude and the altitude that you're and the altitude that you're flying at is an altitude for God to do extraordinary things. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, I got a feeling that I'm about to fly to an altitude that I've never flown before. That God is about to take me someplace that I've never been before. That God is about to stir some things in my life. I said, pull on your neighbor and say, oh, neighbor, in a few days, everything God promised me, I'm about to have it. Yeah. Where are the praises? Breakthrough is your portion. Deliverance is your portion. Ah, yeah. It's breakthrough is your portion. Deliverance is your portion. Breakthrough is your portion. Deliverance is your portion. God's going to do it for you. Pull on your neighbor. Say, oh, neighbor, get ready for God to blow your mind. Say, yeah. Now, this. Hold the music, guys. Now, there's one last piece I want to tell you. What qualifies me to talk to you like this? I'm reminded of a story of a man who's walking in London out in the night, taking in the night's air. 
looks so wonderful. He's not paying attention to where he's going, so he falls into an open manhole. Sprains his ankle, rips open his back. He's bleeding in a manhole. Help! He screams out of his agony and his pain out of the manhole. A priest walks by. He says, is anybody down? He says, yes, sir, I'm down here. I've fallen into this manhole, and, and, and I believe my ankle is broke or sprung, and my back is bleeding. Can you help me? The priest steps back, writes him a prayer, and drops it in the hole. He says, Lord, have mercy. I, this is crazy. I got a prayer that doesn't work. Help! He screams the second time. The story goes. A doctor comes by. What happened? He said, I'm down here. My ankle is sprung and my back is bleeding. And the priest came by and gave me a prayer that doesn't work. I need a rope or a ladder or something. Will you help me? The doctor runs to his car, pulls out his black bag and writes him a prescription and drops the prescription in the hole. He said, oh, man, I'm really, really messed up. Now I got a prayer that won't work in the prescription that I can't get filled. Help! He screams. Great day in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, the third time story goes a friend comes by and says anybody down he said yeah I'm down is that you buddy yeah it's me uh, I sprained my ankle and my back is bleeding I got a prayer that doesn't work and a prescription I can't get filled but I know you're going to get me out of this I know you're going to get me a ladder or a rope or something uh-huh. I know you're going to help me out he said don't worry about it buddy he backs up and he jumps down in the hole with him he turns and says you stupid idiot I told you that my back was bleeding and my ankle was broke I told you that I had a prayer that wouldn't work and a prescription I can't get filled but he turned around and said be quiet I've been down here before and I know my way out of this I come to tell you in this house that I've been down here before and I know my way out of this and everything that I'm telling you right now it's God preparing you for a supernatural miracle your broke days over your your sick days over yeah, debt's being canceled in your life. Yeah, the God that we serve is doing supernatural things in your life. If you would stay on the throne, just keys only and follow me. If you would stay information. I'll let you know. Follow me. If you would stay information and line up behind the man of God because this is the hour preacher that we return back to doing what we did but doing it better this time. That's why I'm here. Searched all over. Let me sing it to you. Don't sing. Let me sing it to you. Searched high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Pastor, nobody greater than you. Now, some people might say, well, you know, that, that, that song is singing to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's nobody in this city like you. Nobody's like you. No church is like this. 
No churches like this thing. No churches like that. Nobody's like you. Nah, shut up. Now, there's a few pastors in this church. Follow me. There's a few pastors in this church. And follow me. There's a few pastors in this church. I'm sorry, I prophesize symphonically. And that's why they have to be very, very disciplined to follow me and not do their own thing. Everybody has a gift. You're coming out of the cave again. And all the money you need is going to be there. And the doors are going to open. It's going to be extraordinary. Nobody's like you. Nobody's like you. Nobody's like you. Ah, Put your hand in your face. Nobody's like you. Nobody's like you. Nobody's like you. Atanama shakataba sakaba. Nobody's like you. Oh Lord, nobody's like you. Nobody's like you. Ashakataba. Nobody's like me. Nobody's like me. Nobody's like me. Encourage yourself in the Lord today. Ah, nobody's like you, 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 you. Nobody's like you, 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 you. Nobody's like me. Oh, nobody. 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 Ah, shakatana masata. Let's go up into the heavens. Nobody. Me. Nobody's like me. Nobody, nobody like me. Nobody's like me. Oh. Oh, I dare you one more time as the Lord descend in this place. Nobody, nobody. Come on, come on. I searched all over and I couldn't find nobody like nobody does it the way I do. Nobody. See, the gist of the message is the mistake we made is that we were doing it like everybody else. Coca-Cola 
controlled 83% of the market share. 83% of the market share. And Pepsi came along and did its own thing. Pepsi was able to make it against the odds of Coca-Cola. And do you know why Coca-Cola had so many people with them? Because Coca-Cola had an ingredient in the formula. Coca-Cola used to boast, if you drink it seven times, I'll make you committed to it forever. Because Coca-Cola had in it cocaine. So the people were not connected to the soda. They was hooked on the formula. And that's why God told Mr. Pepsi, don't go after them. Because when the formula changes, they change. They're locked in a tradition, in a syncopation. And all over Nigeria, everybody is doing the same thing. But here you come. But here you come. Nobody's like you. Ashakataba. Receive it today. Nobody. 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 Lord, give me something I can understand. Nobody like me. You can't do it like I do it. You don't understand what I know about it. The storm is over. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. It's a brand, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. Shakata. It's a brand new day. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is in this place right now.
leaders in this church. We're the leaders in this church. We're the leaders. Come on. Proceeding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 00640.